Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. Skeleton crew in the building today. I'm Dr. Law. Got DJ Mark here with me. Hey, that's it and that's all. <laughs> yeah, uh, in fairness to the crew, I said there wasn't going to be a show. Mike's already in Japan. Stefan, you know, planned a, planned for something else to do. And then sometimes your flight gets canceled, uh, canceled after you sit on a tarmac for three hours and you miss your grandfather's funeral. So that happens sometimes. So I'm uh, here doing a show, me and DJ Mark, and... It's going to be good times. Outside of the reason why you were going, just sitting on the tarmac for three hours at night sounds like fucking hell. Oh, guys, seriously, three hours just sitting there. I took a nap in the middle, God bless. But when they tell you somebody managed to clip the engine while trying to detach the uh, jetway or whatever the call it's called, the thing it's called, the thing you walk on to get on a plane, that they managed to clip the engine, that it's only cosmetic damage, and then all of a sudden your flight's canceled three hours later. I mean, I guess it's a blessing. It would have been bad if they're like, it's just cosmetic. Let's let's roll with this flight to because you're going to was it a one way to Paris? I was going to Paris, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, it, you really gotta make sure your shit's in line when you're gonna be flying for ten hours. Yeah, straight. honestly, after two hours, I'm like, look, if you tell me there's an eighty percent chance we're okay, I say we still go. Like if you tell me there's <laughs> only only a one in five chance we don't make this thing. Also, I'm just like, look, just, just turn it on. And if we turn it on and it doesn't work, we'll know right now, right? It starts leaking. You're like, all right. Also, I don't buy that that's what happened because I feel I would notice if a giant thing like that hit the plane. I feel there would have been like a shake or like some movement if you hit the fucking engine. I think after an hour and a half, the pilot was like, fuck this. I'm not flying for 10 hours Yeah, He's like, he just got there. He's like, you guys know how long this flight is? Fuck that, man. Am I getting overtime for this? No. Yeah, it's it's, nation, nations is still open. It's close. So get a cheeseburger. Fuck this. Fuck these people. Um, yeah. So um, less of a crew today, and there's no MMA to talk about. Um, so we're just gonna talk about wrestling and video games. Probably about halfway through this show is what I think this is gonna end up being. Um, spoiler alert: those of you who are NXT fans, um, I'm gonna talk about. Uh, I'm gonna preview the card for this weekend, which I think I've su- I've successfully convinced Marcus to come watch with me. Um, and uh, might talk a little bit about that G1 match uh, I sent you to, Marcus, um, with uh, Omega and Ibushi. That was a good time. That was. Those guys I, I, I said 4.9 stars. 4.9 stars. Because uh, I was watching, I was like, ooh, this might be five. but And then it ended, and I was like, dude, that, there's that shit where he hit uh, like the standing moonsault, where he, he intentionally like dropped the knees, the knees on his. I was like, oh my God, that looked so painful. Looked yeah. so- there was a lot of great. That was that was a great match. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll break down some New Japan. Yeah. Why not? Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk a little MMA. Um, honestly, all I've heard this week. Um, is that we got some fights on this Connor and McGregor, Connor and uh, Habib card that quite frankly you knew it was it was already an expensive card with just those with just Connor not saying those two just Connor they maybe don't want to pay for another champion's worth of pay per view points so uh, the co main event is going to be Alexander Volkov and Derek Lewis um, which that's you know in terms of heavyweight fight I'd say you know it's going to be good when Derek Lewis is on there but we saw the last one. Um, 
Wait, but who it's was the last fight? The one with Francis and Ganu. I was there. Oh, right. People started doing the cell phone firefly That's thing. Right. That's but, right. That uh, was rough. It was like a Bray Wyatt entrance. It was real. It was rough. My little brother just looked at me. He's just like, you told me this was going to be great. And I'm like, ah, man, shut up. <laughs> that is calling it now for the listeners. Like, next time, not Derek's next fight, but maybe two or three fights, I'm going to look at his record and be like, oh, shit, he fought Francis Nagano? I don't remember that fight at all, but he won, so it must have, must have looked pretty good. I'll totally forget. It was it was so boring. It didn't leave an impression. So when I see it on the record, I'm be like, huh. Was that was that the one you guys were watching it and stuff and you guys were guessing about Nikki was shit talking me? Oh about yeah, the, yeah, we knew. We knew. We were seeing your betting line that man, uh, this is another one of those things where Bobby looks like he doesn't know anything about. Oh MMA. yeah, when you pick one guy by knockout, you and you're just like for sure, Ngannou's gonna win by knockout, and like, oh no, <laughs> nothing. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So UFC 229 co-main event. I mentioned uh, Derek Lewis, Alexander Volkov. Uh, Volkov really deserves a fight like this, man. He's won. He's four fights in the UFC. Uh, beat uh, cop mustache Tim Johnson. Beat Roy Nelson. Knocked out Stefan Struve, and then knocked out Fabricio Verdum. Um, so you got to get the guy a real, a real guy to fight. And he's. Uh, it seems like he already kind of has been. He just fought I mean, Verdum and knocked him out. Well, it almost seems like Derek Lewis might be a step back if Verdum hasn't looked so bad recently. Because I mean, he was. Verdum not that long ago was champion, and well, you know, Verdum he, was also whooping came. that ass. I mean, he was winning that fight. And then he really he did one of his running into a punch things, is my understanding. I mean, it was on Fight Pass. Yeah, London. I did not see that one. I haven't seen like I don't know if I've seen any of Alexander's fights. I remember him from Bellator being pretty legit. Was he the champ? I think he was. There was a time where there was like a couple Russian heavyweight champions. Yeah, I think let me, he was one for like a small, like a very short amount let me of time. See, he then, was he was champion and like maybe defending wait, wait. once. Maybe. He won. He won the tournament, and then he lost it to the guy, the Minikov guy. Which right. I want to say he's in the UFC too, isn't he? I thought or he, so. I thought I so, but it's so hard to keep track of. Him I all. thought he went to the UFC. No, he went to M1. Never mind. No. Oh, I mean, I think M1. Um, do you remember we were at Bellator, and then they announced that they like just stripped Minikov of his belt, yeah, and then they also <laughs> they stripped somebody else, and you and me were just looking at each other like. Who are the fucking champions of this promotion at this point? <laughs> they were uh, they begun, begun the the trend of championships not meaning anything, but they didn't have interim titles. They would just take their champs and be like, "No, nah, we don't want we don't want you being champion no more. Give it back." Yeah, just 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 that's it. We're done with you. Um, Sean O'Malley, uh, Sugar Sean. Um, I'm I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the Sugar Sean show. Sugar oh, yeah. Sean's gonna take on Jose Quinones, um, a name that's prob might be familiar to you guys at this point because this guy's uh. Won four straight in the UFC after losing his uh, his debut. His debut um, in the uh, tough finale for Latin America. He lost Alejandro Perez, and uh, I mean, shit, man, they're way. Uh, they're not the largest dudes out there. The 135 pound guys and Sugar Sean is uh, a fun watch. He's starting to believe his own hype, so you know he's gonna get knocked out soon. So it's it's fun to watch him with his uh, head slips and stuff. So yeah, no, he's. he's- Talented, young, you know, I, I think probably one of the better um, gets from the Dana White show. I think yeah. not only does he have a good style, he's getting good knockouts, but he has that charisma factor. He's very, he's Connor-esque, but with a little bit, I want to say like humility, not humility, but like more of a sense of humor, right? Like Connor. He, he, he reminds me of Connor before Connor started winning. Like when Connor was at the beginning making he's jokes. Welfare. When he was when he was making jokes about not having a pot to piss in and hurting Marcus uh, Brimage's feelings and. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, OSP's on this card against Dominic Reyes. That's okay. Um, Sergio Pettis, Juicy Formiga probably thought they were going to fight for a number one contendership 
for that flyweight title, which really mm-hmm. seemed like they were up until, you know, Henry Cejudo went out there and decided to shock the damn world. Um, yeah. I mean, they were scraping for anything, you know, and yeah, it's, it makes sense. In fairness, Sergio probably already. Uh, yeah, it seemed like he already kind of leapfrogged them, getting that win over. Wait, no, he lost to uh, Henry right on the way to the title. Uh, he Sergio, yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. But then he beat he beat Joseph, man. That should be enough. Was that after he lost to Henry though? Yeah, so okay. I mean, so he, I mean, he bounced back. That's yeah, a big win to bounce back from. So, and it was one of those ones where Henry actually like Henry looked so good. In the Joseph fight, he didn't look so good. He looked like he just tried to hold on for uh, dear life in that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think silver lining, having the title kind of, I wouldn't say in jeopardy, but seeming like there's probably going to be a rematch. It seems like what's either going to happen is they're going to rematch. I think that's the most likely. Or they're going to do the super fight. Either way, this division is going to get a little bit more time to get a contender to grow. And it'll feel, I think it's going to feel a little bit more earned. Right, because it's not going to be like, oh, we have DJ has got to keep fighting. We have to keep throwing bodies at him. And these guys, you know, the, the the pool has already been drained a bit. So I think having these guys fight each other, get someone with a little bit of momentum, whether they fight Henry after Henry and DJ fight, or he fights DJ if he, ret- he gets his belt back. I think this is probably good for the division that they have a little bit of a shakeup at the top just to kind of solidify things uh, in the lower ranks to kind of really get a number one contender. Instead of, it seems like most of the time it's been like, this guy's won three. There's only five, you know, top guys in this division. He's got to fight for a title, even if he's fought for it already. So it's probably good. It's probably good that this division gets a little shakeup, I think. Um, and uh, I like uh, this fight. Michelle Waterson, Felice Herrick. That's a that's, that's, a, that's a good matchup. Um, they got some okay stuff going on, man. It's it's it's, it's kind of like um, when Connor fought Nate, the second one, where it was so expensive at the top. The UFC is like, eh, let's not let's not go nuts with this undercard. Yeah, I mean, that's just. I just hate that too, right? Because we just came off a pay-per-view like that, and we were just talking about it before the show. This card we have coming up next week is just fucking killer. Like, top to bottom, it's just not only are they fun matchups, but they're, they have good name value, and it just sucks when you come off a pay-per-view event where it's so top-heavy. It's like if they could have slotted in a few of these fights into that pay-per-view, I would have been nuts over that pay-per-view. Instead of going into it, I was just like, man, I, that main event and that co-main event are really interesting. And I got to slog through three fights of fights I'm not interested in. I'd love if they had a, some of these guys on this card coming up or even the card before the DJ TJ pay-per-view would have really sprinkled it. So I, I, it, it, it kills some of the excitement when you have that Connor fight. And it's just like that fight, you already got my money. You know, it's easy money. But, you know, I liked it when they when they built the big super cards. And it was just like, man, top to bottom, get on fucking – Fox Sports One early or Fight Pass because you don't want to miss any of the twelve fights we got geared up here, and it's been a while for that, and it hasn't been. It's been even longer for a pay per view to kind of have that kind of spectacle. It seems like well, these. I like. Fox uh, Sports. I like this. What's it called? One though, um, the Woodley and Till one, because I think the main card is a goddamn banger. I mean, here's what we got: Woodley, Till, uh, and Montano Shevchenko, two title fights. Which I at this point you give me the title fight, I just. Give it a pass. No matter what the title fight is, it's a title fight. So I'm the fucking consumer UFC keeps making belts for. So there you go. Two yeah. title fights. Uh, Jessica Andrade, Carolina Kowalkiewicz, Carla Esparza, Tatiana Suarez. Um, if they have three women's fights on the main card, that's pretty awesome. Pretty yeah, no, that was the same uh, thing. And then Yair and Zabit. Woo! Yeah. Yair and Zabit's a goddamn crackerjack. And then Aljamain and uh, Sterling Cody Stammen is on the undercard. So is um, Jamie Rivera and John Dodson. 
Okay, it's not twelve deep, but shit, that main card is a goddamn yeah. banger. That is no, a- it's that that's more yeah that and really when it comes to pay per view, I don't really care too much about your prelims and you know non aired prelims. It's really that main card has got to get me excited, and this one does a much better job. You know, there's a lots of there's there's a lot of women fights, so just. Just UFC showing that we want to showcase more of our women's division because, I mean, obviously, you need to give these women spotlights so that when they fight for a title, people aren't scratching their head like, who's this? Have I ever seen them before? Um, they need to get out there in the public eye. And, um, you know, this is that's three pretty solid fights and straw weight and one, you know, crowning a, a potentially a new champion or, you know, the first title defense for their, their women's flyweight. So, yeah, that, that's a much this is more in line of what I expect from a pay-per-view. Yeah, um, and uh, though honestly, Connor and Khabib is gonna break the pay per view record probably. I mean, that's I, I don't know. Do you think it is? Because I, I think the fact that it's after the Floyd fight, and Connor's got a whole new group of people following him, I think they can break what him and Nate did because that's the record right now, which is like one point six. I Ariel thinks it's gonna do two, Connor and Khabib, which I don't know, man. I mean, that's a lot of pay per views. But then again, the man just sold four and a half with Floyd Mayweather, so I don't... Yeah, man, I mean, you, you do have to look at the dance partner, right? And Floyd was already pulling in millions, and you kind of pull... Getting Connor in there makes it even more of a spectacle. I'm real curious, you know? Um, I don't know. Someone I, made I, I some wonder if, there, if some of the fanfare... I, I don't think it's true, but we, we, we know MMA fans are kind of, uh, you know, fa- fair-weather fans. And having Connor just getting knocked out by Floyd Mayweather, I wonder if that hurts the mystique a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know, man. You think people give a shit at this point with that? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's, some people do. I mean, hey, I mean, we know MMA fans. Once you lose, it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that guy was garbage. I mean, in fairness, him and Nate fought the first time and he they did true. like one and a half and then he, he lost and he came back and they did one and 1.7. So or whatever it is, 1.6. Um, I think people say this would do better. I, I think I'm one of those people who thinks him and Nate, a third fight would do better just because. Khabib can sell a fight, but Nate sells a fight probably as well as anybody not named Conor McGregor in the UFC. Like, him and Conor together would have been a good... T- it was so fun last time. They had a water bottle fight. <laughs> Jake Shields tried to steal a laptop. It was, uh, it was a great time. Yeah, um, I, I'm curious to see the hijinks that will happen before this fight. This one, they're going to have police presence, and it's going to be like a Tyson fight. So. Oh, I mean, maybe that's for the best when when the last time we saw Connor who was throwing a handcart through a bus, maybe there needs to be a little up in the security tick just to make sure we get this fight. Because I, I, I mean that. that's really this fight's fucking awesome on paper, and I I'm really excited to see it. Whether it translates to their highest pay-per-view buy or not, um, you know, we'll find out in the weeks to follow after the event. But there's no getting around the fact that stylistically, these are just polar opposites, and it's gonna be really fun to see how it shakes down. Um, and, uh, I know Kevin Lee wants to get on the fight, get on the fight card. He's currently the, um, he's the backup plan. They said, I'm not sure it's even official, but Kevin Lee's training. Like he's fighting on, on that card. Smart. And mm-hmm. he wants to fight Anthony Pettis though on that card, which I would be strongly in favor of seeing. I thought, didn't Pettis just get booked in a fight? I thought they booked him with somebody. I, I, nah, we were just talking about his brother. I don't think so. Okay. He just, he just fought though. Like. He like it was uh, he, I, in one of his best showings, right? Yeah, I'm the, I'm one of the, I remember we were debating how back we thought he was. I'm like, he's 100% back. And you guys were reasonably a little bit more like, it was one fight, let's see. Um, but I was, I was fucking sold. Um, and uh, we got some news uh, this week. The Mighty Mouse, uh, his foot isn't broken, which is nice. 
but he's got a partial tear of his LCL, which was his guess that he tore his LCL um, after the fight. And he may or may not need surgery. We'll see. Um, I want to see the rematch because that was a good fight. And uh, he deserves it. Yeah. Like, you can't give me another autom- – you can't give anybody else an automatic rematch ever if you don't give it to this guy. Yeah. Like, no, I agree. On. He's totally deserving. It was razor close uh, fight. And, and like you said, um, you know, I criticized the fight last week or two weeks ago when we were covering it. Um, just in the fact that it, it was a fan, it was a very competitive fight, but it wasn't those fights where it's like these guys are just beating the shit out of each other. But yeah, it, was it, wasn't, probably, it wasn't a barn burnover, but it was good. It, it was one of those high technical, every, you know, the stakes are super high. The rounds are razor close. It was really hard to, you know, really put your foot down and be like, this guy or that guy really won the fight because the takedowns Henry got and the control, the act, uh, you know, how active DJ was, um, throwing a lot more strikes. It was a great fight. I want to see them. You know, they're going to run it back eventually. Um, if DJ's out for a long time, and obviously there's this TJ Henry fight kind of hovering in the wings. I don't know. What, I, I don't. You know, it'll it'll be interesting to see how long TJ is going to be on the shelf. And if it's long enough for the UFC to be like, yeah, we got to move forward because that's kind of what they do, right? They're they're yeah. The and UFC's brass seems very short sighted, right? It's all about what we can do as quickly as possible to get as much money as possible. Yeah, and uh, we'll see what happens. That's a good point. It's, it's hard to say. And um, TJ Dillashaw should fight Dominic Cruz. I'm just gonna point that out there. I think he should fight Dominic Cruz. I want him to fight Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz went on the MMA hour and did what Dominic Cruz does to TJ Dillashaw, which he barbecued him verbally. Um, but then TJ got better at shit talk, too. He was shit-talking Giovante uh, Davis, the boxer, who somehow decided he could... He woke up to one day and decided he thought he could beat TJ Dillashaw in a cage fight. And TJ sure. Dillashaw has been laughing for a week and telling this guy to get his daddy, Floyd, to allow him to fight. I'm like... Uh, if we've got to embarrass a boxer in the octagon, sure, why not? TJ can yeah. stay blues, but I want to see TJ and Dominic. Someone posted the video of Dominic and TJ when they did that sit-down. Sure. Um, when it looked like if it was around, you'd score at 10-6 Dominic. Like, TJ got worked. And just, it, I think that's the one where Dominic, where uh, Dominic's, uh, TJ says he's hungrier. And Dominic says, you can't measure that, man. <laughs> you can't even measure that. Measure that. That's an ignorant statement. The, the I really the important thing is where's Dom? Is oh, he's, he coming he's off 100%. an injury? He's hundred percent. He got cleared. Okay, then I, then I think they should make that fight. Obviously, I think um, that's that's an easy fight to make, especially when you know the next fight that you know is kind of out there for TJ is him fighting Henry, and that's a whole super fight thing with Henry coming up. I think him and Dom just makes more sense, especially if we're going to try to slot in uh, the trilogy with uh, Mighty Mouse and Henry, which I think they should do too. I think. Why not have those two guys fight? Let's see where the cards uh, lay when it's all done and maybe then make a super fight. If it's still well, TJ it's just, and I Henry, mean, then obviously they can go there. The thing with super fight was I thought like the circumstances around Mighty Mouse was super fight. Not like, hey, let's just get these two champions to fucking fight each other. I mean, look, like if tomorrow they started talking about Tyron Woodley and Robert Whitaker, I'd be like, yeah, man, okay. But like there's still like a bunch of guys for all these people to fight. Like Henry, Henry yeah, Sudo has an entire I... division fight. Even TJ's got a Sun Sal. TJ's got Cruz. TJ's got fucking um, Marlon Marais. There's three. He's got three people to fight. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the super fight always made a lot more sense when it was Mighty Mouse has held the belt forever, devastated that division. There's literally nothing for him at 35. 
that narrative's changed a little bit. Now he has an actual, you know, challenger or competitor in Henry Cejudo who's, you know, pushed him in a fight, got that win, is holding the belt now. They should obviously run it back. And, you know, if TJ has to defend the, uh, you know, 35 belt, I don't think there's a better challenger in their wings as long as Dom's healthy and is able to do it than him. You know, they already had a fight. It was razor close. Um, TJ, every time he's had a rematch, has won so far. So I think there's obviously enough narrative strings to pull to make that fight interesting and compelling to the consumer. So I think those are two obvious choices. Um, and I, I think I think Dom and TJ makes a lot more sense than Henry and DJ, just because DJ's hurt right now, right? We don't know how long he's going to be out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know what? I think it's time, Marcus. We got on that DeLorean. We know we have are to go we back, going in back time. or are we going to the future? We're, we're going we're going back um, okay. because it's it's time this week for everybody's favorite segment. That happened this week. Hell yeah, it did. Um, so uh, I've been looking forward to this. Actually, this was a good week. I've been looking forward to this one particularly for a few weeks now because I knew it was coming. I'm a little bummed. Stefan's not here to make fun of me. It's weird how my mind works, but Stefan was going to have a good time with this one. Uh, I can shit bit. on you a little bit if it makes yeah, you feel better. Yeah. Um, but first, um, 2003. August 10th, um, total elimination. Uh, oh, yeah, Pride total elimination from Saitama. 40,000 motherfuckers, man. People don't appreciate how many people used to go to fucking MMA events in, in uh, Japan, man. Oh, like, it, was it, was, it was a lot. And, that shit was um, mainstream. And a good reason, part of that reason we're going to mention right now was the main event, Kazushi Sakuraba. <sighs> man, he's done what he's could for the Japanese people, and he took three ass kickings at the hand of Vandalay Silva, and this was the third one, huh, Marcus? <laughs> It probably was the worst one, too. Yeah, it was. He had no ear at this point. It was already a, the ear was a problem 15 years ago, folks. <laughs> yeah, this uh, total elimination was the opening round of their middleweight, which is which was Pride's 205 division and stacked tournament. And one of the things that made it, uh, you know, more exciting than some of the other tournaments was they had a UFC competitor in here. They had fucking Dana White when he still had some peach fuzz up top trying to pretend like he still had hair coming out there. I, don't, I can't remember how much money he put on Chuck to win the tournament. I think it was like $250,000. And, you know, total elimination, he fought um, Alistair Overeem in a fight that actually made me a big Overeem fan, even though he got his, his, uh, his uh, I mean, he got rocked hard. It was one of yeah. those classic Overeems. <laughs> that was a rough one. <laughs> his eyes are going everywhere. He's so not there. And then you get to piece him up with a nice knockdown. But um, before that fight, Alistair looked so, I, I just, I, I loved young Alistair's style. It was all big knees and hooks and just fucking excitement. And he was piecing Chuck up. He cut him. He rocked him a few times. But Chuck nailed him with an overhand right that slipped right through the guard, had him looking every which way, and then Chuck flurried on him against the uh, against the ropes, knocked him down. You know, big night for Dana White. You know, getting uh, getting his boy into the semifinals. Um, you know, later in the semifinals, yeah, fight like rampage that didn't go so hot. But it, for the time, it was it was it was unheard of. You know, we don't have. There's no Bellator. You know, there's no UFC guys joining the Bellator tournaments, right? You don't see a Bellator representative going into the UFC repping the Bellator colors. You know, you don't get that kind of cross promotion. Um, so it was really cool to see the UFC like, nah, we got, I think my, our boy Chuck here can take it all. And, you know, it was fun. I mean, the, because the, pride was top dog. So they, they wanted, they wanted Chuck and Vanderlei. Um, oh yeah. They, we eventually got it, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, it was still a good time, but it was, you know, USC tried to pull it off too. this one. Both times Quentin Jackson, man, Quentin Jackson said, no, He's a foil. Both Tom um, Quentin Jackson, um, 
I, mean, I know Rampage is old and fat and all that stuff, but there's a reason Quentin Jackson still Quentin ja- is still Quentin Jackson to a lot of us. And shit, man, I was just looking this up. November 9, 2003, Quentin and Vanderlei, first time. Mm-hmm. Um, main evented Pride Final Conflict 2003. Um, it was, I think it was the finals. That was the finals, yeah. That was the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first matchup, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was when fucking Rampage had to go to war with Chuck. Vanderlei fought, a, fought Yoshida. And like had a fucking exhibition match. Hey, it was, it was not Yoshida didn't give him an easy match, but he he didn't take a lot of damage. Yoshida's yeah. not a guy. If he damages you, it's because he broke your arm or he choked you out. You know, he's I not mean, beating you to death. I mean, look, Rampage has an excuse for everything in the world, but I firmly believe Rampage when he says these tournaments were set up for Vanderlei to win. I'm like, well, yeah, the seating was. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, they did sixty seven thousand four hundred fifty people. Yeah, dude. I mean, look, this is Japan. It, it might be a, they might have kayfabe that number a little bit, you know, pro wrestling that number a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's a real. That's but shit. That looked really. That would look like a lot of people. Um, I mean, it was, it was when I say mainstream, it was like everybody knew it was going on. You yeah. know, it, it was, was UFC it was, at its it was, prime. It's UFC when Rana and Connor were just and Brock are just getting everybody on board, and you know, kind of like that era too. It just it can't sustain forever. And especially when it came to Japanese MMA, they kind of needed a guy to be their champion that is able to compete with all these other foreigners coming in, just smashing heads. And for a long time, that was Sakuraba. And then in this tournament, it was kind of Yoshida kind of took that mantle, but he couldn't carry it. And none of these guys really could because, you know, at the time, Pride was really turning out not only just the best athletes, but now in hindsight, knowing that. There literally was no drug testing. So not only the the best, most dangerous fighters in the world, but they're juiced to the gills. And I don't know if the Japanese fighters were juicing too. You gotta you you gotta pray and hope they were just to be competitive. But uh it was it was cutthroat in Pride. Literally, not just with the competition and the drug use, but also like these you- fuckers are gonna knee and kick you on the ground. You have to have your head on a swivel or you're gonna get fucked up. So that Final Conflict 2003 was actually the second most attended Pride event of all time. Oh, um, Marcus, do you have any guess for what the highest rated, highest attended one was? I mean, I, I I'll would give you the imagine main, it'd be... I'll give the, you one of the fights. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you'll make your oh, guess well, 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 Make your guess. Make well, your guess. Well, so I, I want to say it's one of the New Year's shows because those usually brought in superstars also from pro wrestling. No? No. No dice? Okay. Uh, okay, well, here we go. Uh, Bob Sapp and Noguera was the co-main event. Bob Sapp and Noguera wasn't on a shockwave. That was shockwave. That's the that's the New Year's August twenty eighth. Oh, huh. They called it dynamite. Maybe that's why you think it was a New Year's one. Main event: Krokop and Sakuraba. Jerome yeah, LeBanner, no, Don Fry. Usually at the end of the year, and they call the shockwave ones the end of the year card. Huh. Yeah, I mean that one's August twenty eighth. That was not like a normal Pride event. I mean, it also had a bunch of K one stuff going on. Yeah, that, that was the Shockwave events were their crossover. And that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking because they have K one dudes, they have some pro wrestlers. <laughs> that that Bob Sapp no gear fight was fucking insanity. Yeah, if you guys get a chance, you can pull that fight up. And I, it's, I'm not sure if it's the synced videos on YouTube where you can have uh, Joe Rogan and Eddie Bravo try to do commentary for it now. Which is mostly just Joe Rogan's mind being blown that Nogueras head didn't like yeah, snap off his body. That was a fun one. Um, Bob Sapp for being kind of a freak show. He had some he had some interesting fights back in his day. Um, now some more history. August eight, two thousand nine. Uh, first, BJ Penn defended his belt against Kenny Florian, which uh, was just an ass whooping, but is memorable for a couple reasons. Which was the pre-fight hype video where Kenny kept talking about how he was going to win. He's like, I might finish BJ Penn in the first round. 
you know, and then he, they cut to BJ Penn, and BJ Penn just goes, he really say this shit? And, uh, yeah, that made me laugh. And then, you know, it was a Kenny Florian fight, so it was a little, his big brother was yelling the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it was really one of those times where people couldn't figure out how to beat BJ Penn, and Kenny's strategy was, what if I clinch up against the cage with him? And it was like, yeah, that's not going to do it, buddy. Not a good strategy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a decent fight. You know, Kenny Kenny went out there. He, he tried his best. He was just outgunned skill Yeah, he got, um, he got those heels when Ken, BJ was trying to get the hook, in, the choke in, just, like, in the liver, the, like, the heel yeah. shots he was doing. That was – BJ's legs are basically just another set of arms for him. Oh, yeah, he used to trap dudes' arms and rear yeah. naked like he did with Pulver and stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just, you know, there was a stretch there where BJ Penn looked like the best fighter in the world. And this Absolutely. was one of those fights, 55, basically. he was killing it. Um, main event was Forrest Griffin and Anderson Silva. Now, look um, – Possibly, I maybe sat Stefan down outside of a pita restaurant and argued with him that we should bet money on Forrest Griffin to win this fight because he was the champion. He'd just been the champion. He's huge. Not saying he was definitely going to win, but he was like three to one on Forrest. We're like, there's money to make here. For you know, Ramp Vanderlei. I mean, Anderson was coming off the um, which one was it? I want to say the lightest one. I think the lightest debacle, one of Anderson's debacles where he wasn't actually fighting. Yeah. I think it was the, the, the Tyler's Lighty's fight. And we're like, man, Forrest might just out-tough him. It's only three rounds. And then the fight started, and we all looked at each other, and everybody knew, oh, my God, we all bet money on Anderson Silva to lose a fight to Forrest Griffin. And what remains maybe the most embarrassing loss any man's ever suffered in the octagon in terms of what happened to him in the fight, right? I mean, that was... Yeah, I mean, I think Anderson's demolishing of Chris Lieben was more like picture perfect. Like he just looked, you you couldn't choreograph a better beatdown than that one, except maybe this one because Forrest was trying to hit him so much and Anderson had no qualms using head movement and just like making him look like com- a complete lutz out there as he's swinging wildly and he hits him with a jab and drops him. It was just like, man, you're not even close. And I think, you know, in retrospect, you know, Bobby, when you were selling us on, you know, betting on Forrest, I mean, there's a lot of caveats outside of the fight. You're like, this dude's huge. He had just held the belt. He's fully capable. You know, looking on retrospect, if maybe if Forrest was able to utilize some kind of ground game better, like Chael was able to kind of ground him and, you know, use his weight to wear him down, maybe there's some universe where he is competitive in that fight. But Forrest swinging wildly at Anderson's head was just comedic and, uh, Ultimately, if, he, if you're going to lose money, it might as well be in just a complete demolition. Man, I lost like 100 bucks. I think we, you guys each lost like 40 or 50 maybe. Yeah, I put a ton down. And like Eddie, our friend Eddie's still bitching years later that he lost 20 bucks on that shit. We're like, man, shut up. Um, Jordan Breen summed it up well, and it was on the date of the anniversary. was August 8th. He said, nine years ago today, Anderson Silva landed 13 strikes in the fight, and only eight of them were, were while standing. Yes, we had Forrest Griffin was knocked down three times. That's really impressive. Um, if you want to laugh, you listen to Forrest Griffin uh, talk, tell, talk about his memory of the fight where he would, he says, I would throw pants uh, punches, and Anderson Silva would look at me like, you slow, stupid white boy. Why would you throw that at me? Um, later on, we learned that Forrest Griffin might be, maybe got knocked out in sparring a week before the fight. Hindsight. didn't The betting community might have liked to know that. Just saying. Um, and then the one I've been looking forward to talking to for a long time, my first UFC event ever was um, UFC 117, August 7th, 7th 2010. The Stefan's first event, too, I believe. Uh, Marcus had been to a couple, I think, at least. You definitely seen Anderson before. I know that. You saw Anderson yeah. and um, Nate Marquardt. But mm-hmm. 
Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen won. Um, one of, UFC 117 uh, still remains one of the craziest fights ever, um, which is weird to say about a fight that for four rounds, one man just, just took, a, took a fucking beating. Um, is one of those things where more so who was involved really uh, laid the situation out. Because Marcus, I mean, people haven't seen this fight before. Chael Sonnen was doing his Chael Sonnen thing, and nobody took him seriously. And then the man put a 23-minute beatdown on Anderson Silva. Yeah, I mean, I think leading up to that fight, Chael had, you know, got a bit of a resume with some, you know, good scalps on it. But no one thought he he really had the skill set to really challenge Anderson, who just seemed like he was just working on a completely different plane of existence when it came to the fight game. And to see Chael, you know, like you said, use his gimmicks and, you know, his uh, his great skills on the mic to sell a fight and get people amped up, you know, you thought that that was where he was going to be the best at. And to have the fight come to fruition and then see him just ground Anderson round after round and put on some good ground and pound. You know, he didn't really bust up Anderson but he wasn't just laying on him. He was putting in work on top with uh, his ground and pound and just winning round after round after round. And, you know, like he has mentioned so often before, um, the crowd turning was an amazing thing. Everyone's on Anderson's side at first. And then as Chill is getting these rounds after rounds, just looking like a fighter we've never seen put in front of Anderson before. And, you know, by the fifth round, it was just like, this dude's got it. Anderson's got nothing for the wrestling game here. And to have him pull that triangle out of nowhere was, you know, it was really an amazing, uh, you know, sight to behold. And to be there live, to witness it, to even have myself be like, man, Anderson's going to smoke this guy. He beat Dan Henderson. Chill's got nothing for him. And then for for myself, just realize, like, man, like, he's doing it. I was completely wrong. This guy's going to beat one of the greatest fighters of all time. And to have that fighter pull it off, you know, in the last round with a, you know, a triangle seemingly out of nowhere because the whole fight, Anderson's working on his guard, literally not doing anything but just trying to keep uh, Chill at bay. And then for him to throw up a triangle in the last round, just, you know, it didn't seem like he had it in him anymore. It seemed like he was mentally kind of defeated. But to have him throw that up and get that one out of nowhere was spectacular. Yeah, um, Stefan, I remember, I always remember this because uh, Stefan got so angry because the fight starts and the crowd's like, Silva, Silva. People just chanting for Anderson. Then like in the third or third round of this ass kicking, um, we start getting the USA chants and Stefan's just getting bitter. Like, what the hell, man? All you people were rooting for Anderson. And then all these people went nuts at the end when Anderson won. And Stefan was just yelling at the crowd like, no, no, you're all cheering for jail. Um, that was also a good card because it got... um. Roy Nelson and uh, Big Country. Roy Nelson, Big Country, and Junior Dos Santos beat the crap out of each other. Right. And was also a good time because then a crowd fight started that nobody broke up for an entire round. So we were just taking turns on who was watching the girl fight, which was what the crowd fight was. Two ladies beating the crap out of each other. And then there was two big guys in the cage fighting also. Um, go to a UFC event live, man. It's a good time. Um, ideally, one where there's stakes. You know, if you live in some place where, like, nothing's going on, you should probably go to a UFC fight anyway because it's a good time. But maybe go to one with a title fight if you can, if you can swing it one day. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've been fortunate. We've seen a lot of title fights. There was a lot on the line that really just delivered, you know. La- Las Vegas Las Vegas being a 90-minute flight has really helped us out in this life. Sure, we're, we're very fortunate to be able to afford to go places and watch these fights. And then we're even luckier that the fights have turned out to be fantastic. You know, not all of them you go to are great, but... We've been in some cards that were, you know, you can easily say some of the best cards in MMA history. You know, just lucky. That's just how the cards played out. Um, let's do uh, let's do twenty questions, 
And All it's right. just me, so I'm probably going to fail. I have no one to bounce off of here with ideas. This is I was, you know, and I was thinking, you know, maybe we won't do it for this time because you're running solo. Um, maybe next time I'm going, I'm going to implement a minute, a question rule. So basically, you have a minute to ask a question because you're, you know, sometimes we get in the. I can't think of a question. We're hemming and hawing. I, I, I just want to say, if I lose this, this should not count against the old group. This is a side, you know, adventure. You know, really. the, it's a the, one probably, To be fair, I think every time there has I've got been it right. a, yeah, whoever the only person that gets it right is you're like, oh, it's Matt Linlin, or it's Don Fry, or Ben Rothwell. I mean, you're the one that comes through. I think what okay. Stefan and Mike do is they ask interesting, different questions that might get your brain going in a different direction so um this one i I think what i'm also going to do because we we got into it last week i'm going to try to pick more known guys but no internet for you guys you guys cannot look online because that just becomes you can start doing search this one bobby is still a tough one you might need to use the internet to get there and if you have to you have to (laughs) okay okay um we just need to establish what means someone when i say someone uh, held a major championship I think yeah, that, that needs to be just Pride, Strike Force, WEC, Bellator, UFC. UFC. Okay, That's pretty and, much it, right? But are we also counting tournaments? Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Um. Is this person a male fighter? Uh. Yes. Has this person ever held a UFC championship? No. Has this person held a championship of a major promotion? No. Has this person? What, what question was that? Which one? Or what number was I on? You've asked three questions. It's a male fighter. Has this person ever fought in the UFC? Uh, yes. Has this person fought in the UFC since UFC 100? No. That's five. Okay. Has this person fought in Pride? Yes. Does this person weigh 185 pounds or more? Uh, yes. Um, in the UFC, where most of his fights at two hundred and five pounds or more. Um, yeah, I would say the weight wasn't an issue when he was fighting in the UFC. Okay, here we go. All right, um, this person American? Uh, no. Okay. That's nine. This person Brazilian? Uh, no. That's ten. Oh, fuck me. All right. Did this person compete in a UFC tournament? Uh, no. Oh, shit. Hmm. We need, like, music or something for the silence, especially when I'm alone here. <laughs> I mean, you're the, uh, yeah. you're running all the technical. I don't have it. I'm not that talented here. Okay. I mean, I could uh, get, like, a little tune and play it through my yeah. microphone. You should just hum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're all thinking Jeopardy, right? Yeah. We don't want to get sued by Alex Trebek. They're finally coming. They finally came for that Hulu money. Um, all right. So I'm at 11 or 10? You're at 11. So you, st- you still got some room to work with, and we, we narrowed it down a bit. This guy's fought in the UFC. There really wasn't weight divisions, but it wasn't in a tournament. He's also a pride fighter. He's not American. He's not Brazilian. He's a dude. Is this person fighting K1? Uh, no. All right. I thought you were going to semi Schilt. Um, okay. <laughs> that would not be a bad one. Is he Asian? Yes. 
Never held a belt. Never won a tournament. Fought in the UFC. Has he ever faced Vanderlei Silva? Uh, no. No. Never faced Vanderlei. All right, so not Sakuraba. Not Sakuraba. Which Wait, did I ask if this person's Asian? Yeah. Okay, and you said yes, right? Yes. Fuck me. All right. Sakuraba's not bad. Many people might not know he did get that UFC appearance. I know. He, he got screwed. <laughs> he kind of did, but then he got a fight again and won, which is... is he got two weirdest, wins. He's the weirdest thing in the world. Was that Linland? No. No, he fought He fought some, like, Brazilian guy. He's like a oh. big Brazilian guy. So we're at All 14. Right. We're getting close. I'm, we're gonna, if I get to 17, that's when the internet's going to get used. <laughs> Has he ever fought in a pride tournament? Uh, I don't know why I asked that. Yes. That didn't help. That didn't help. Everybody fought in a fucking pride tournament. He did fight in a pride tournament. Hey, you fought... Uh, you fought in the same tournament as... Antonio Nogueira. Big one. He fought in a heavyweight tournament, is what I'm asking, in Pride. Um, He did fight in a heavyweight tournament. Can I revise that question and just ask if he fought in an openweight tournament? Because that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Before. This was a... Yeah. Yeah. Openweight tournament. Open okay. Openweight tournament. The fuck was in those... Who's the Japanese people in that tournament? God damn it. Rio Chonin ever fight in the UFC? No, that's not Rio Chonin. Rio Chonin only fought like 170 pounds. Uh, okay, I'm officially like all, all the all the Asian fighters have like blanked from my mind at the moment. I use Sakuraba up. Yeah, we you know fight it's... Fedor. Uh, did you ever fight Fedor? No. Okay, it's not Fujita. I'm just guessing Japanese people oh, at this Fujita, one, man. Good, good guess too. All right. Fuck me. What am I? What am I at? Uh, you're at 17. I mean, I think I might have gotten you on this one, but I thought that with Linlin, I thought that with Dean Lister. Well, I, I, God damn it. Let me think. It's harder okay. when you, yeah, you don't have, you're not having anyone to bounce off of. So they, you know, Mike or Stefan would say something that would get your, your gears turning into different when you're just by yourself. You get stuck in your little, uh, your little cocoon of guys. Dude, all, I, I, like all the guys I'm thinking about now are just like Gomi and Sakurai and fucking shit like that, and they're all too small. It's not helping right, me. Right. No. Um. Fucking, I need the internet. <laughs> I gotta ask. God damn it. This, uh, this is, this is, um, do you want I a little I, hint? You want me to give you a little solo hint? Uh, you said this. Uh, fuck it, go ahead. And now I'm trying to think. I'm like, what's a good hint? <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll give you a couple good ones. Um, probably, we we're gonna have to explain who this person is. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this one need a little explaining. Um, I think his most recent thing he's known for is more of a, a charitable thing he did. That might be too much of a hint, but. Char Charitable. Is this fucking Genki Sudo? 
So my guess is Genki Sudo. You're going to guess Genki Sudo? Yeah, fuck it. I'll lose if I lost. Is it Genki Sudo? Uh, it is not Genki Sudo. Okay, I Sudo lost. Sudo never was fought it? in uh, Pride. This was one Ensign Inoue. I read his fucking book. <laughs> I read the man's book. I bought his book, read about his fights with the fucking Yakuza. <laughs> I should, what was his? I mean, I should have mentioned something about the Yakuza. That would have gone. Yeah, the- shit. Okay. Um, he did all that stuff for uh, Fukushima. Yeah. Ensign Inoue was a bad, bad man, dude. Um, and in what context do you say that, though? <laughs> no, nah, he was a tough motherfucker. And um, he's a good guy in general. He also he helped train um, his brother-in-law was Kid Yamamoto. Yeah, I, I, that then, was the other clue I was thinking was like mentioning he had someone he trained that kind of reached higher heights than he did. Yeah. You know, but yeah, insane, insane in a way. Uh, he didn't hold a long career. I mean, he took some ass kickings. Yeah, that was and, not and what Bobby, he talks to about. To be fair, I did mislead you on one. I guess his one UFC fight was in a lightweight tournament. Uh, but he he fought Royce Alger, who was like this uh, wrestler guy. He won the fight in a minute thirty six, and he never fought in the UFC again. So I don't know if that. Yeah, was. I mean, dude, I was not gonna. I mean, fuck. yeah, yeah. I, I read that was tough. I read it. And, book too. and to I be fair, the one. tournament that he was he was in the opening round of the Grand Prix. Um, where he fought Mark Mark Kerr and lost. Um, the opening round was like its own event. It wasn't really part of the final round of the Grand Prix, which I think is more, those guys are a little bit more noticeable. Um, yeah, his, his, stint in, his stint in Pride he's, was... He's American. Is he American? I thought he was Japanese. Yeah. Was he born in Oh, America? it's all off. It's all off. He's born, born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hawaii. That was the whole given the game was rigged. I would have had it. <laughs> I mean, look, we might want to ask if he's the American beast and I just pick a fucking white guy. But that's that's I mean, not what I, yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just assumed he was. Yeah, you're right. He was from Hawaii. That was. Yeah. That was no, he talks about his, his book was really good. He talks about, I want to say it was the Igor fight where he thought he was going to die. Uh, yeah. The Igor Varchanchin fight where Igor beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> just beat him from pillar to post. It's for funny. 10 is, minutes. Uh, that was uh, Pride 10, which mm-hmm. was Return of the Warriors, which is one of the best Pride events um they ever had and uh eddie bravo was doing commentary he didn't do a lot of pride commentary but i think um boss was out so they got eddie bravo in and i guess before the fight he was talking to ensign in a way who's kind of like he, he's he's more of a submission guy he's probably better with his submissions but dude just he has that japanese warrior uh spirit where he just likes to go in there and slug and um eddie bravo convinced him to wear the gi pants he's like look at you're gonna be sitting and Igor is going to be sitting in your guard. You're going to want those gi pants to get those arm bars. And Igor just sat in his guard and bludgeoned the shit out of him for <laughs> 10 minutes. It was like, Eddie, those pants aren't doing him any good right now. Yeah. But yeah, um, he, had, he had a great fight with Heath Herring and then another good fight with uh, Noguera. Um, yeah, his career wasn't super, um, you know, he didn't fight a lot, but he did start in 95 and ended in uh, 2010. Um, there was, I a- mean, there was. Gap. Yeah, there's there a big gap there at the end, but he was he was a tough guy, man. His book is a is a good read, though. Um, yeah, he he follows the saying. Uh, what was it? Yama Yamato Damase. Yeah, Yamamoto Damashi. Yeah, which is like, uh, and I I don't remember. Yeah, Yam, Yamato Damashi, and I guess it's a saying that live like a man, die like a man, become a man. And the saying is that you live your life honorable as a man. And how you die, you know, facing your fears and not cowering as a man is only in in a you know a 
don't know, a suitable death or a respectful death. Yeah, I mean, look, man, you know, I mean, also like Ensign's definition of it. Like I read the man's book. Some of it is I'm just like, some of this is just you just beating a motherfucker up, Ensign. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of this is you just whooping an ass. Uh, but yeah, the name of the book is Live as a Man, Die as a Man, Become a Man. Um, right. It is a good, it, that was his nickname too, Yamamoto yeah. Damashi. That was, and his, um, him and his brother were world ranked in racquetball. His brother definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, I know uh, his brother was like a super athlete, and you know they love jujitsu. And you know, grow up, growing up in Hawaii, as we've often heard from those fighters coming out there, it's kind of a fighters' community. You know, like you hang out at the beach, you smoke weed, and you fight other people, or you, it's like it's either like you surf or you fight. You know, and they weren't the surfing type, so they were fighting. And yeah, he was just a really interesting character. I knew you knew of Ensign. But he's not a guy that we regularly talk about or even comes up in conversation too often. So, and then looking over his record is like shit. There's not like he fought some dudes, but I mean he 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 beat Randy Couture, but that was in the uh, Valley Tudo Japan '98. So it's not like you really you know that's still a, a big win, man. Oh, huge, still win. a big huge win. Yeah. But it wasn't. It didn't get a lot of notar- notarization because it was in. Not only was it Japanese MMA, but it wasn't even a huge promotion. The Valley Judo. Uh, Japan fights were yearly fights. Um, he fought Frank Shamrock the year before, and he had, they had a fucking fantastic fight where Frank uh, beat him with a TKO in the second round. But yeah, a really interesting, fun character, and definitely someone you know. If you're kind of trying to get up on who was who back in the the old days, he was definitely a guy that you know you kind of had to know about. Um, yeah. Um, you look up some Ensign fights because if nothing else, he gets his ass whooped. Yeah, that, that, watch that, him, that watch him the Ego one. one, the Igor one, Igor is just one a yeah. beating. Yeah, the, that was a good event. Too, uh, wasn't uh, it? Avoid the Kerr fight. Mark Kerr back then was just kind of a shadow of himself. He barely got through that fight. Um, yeah, but him and Heath was a great fight, and uh, him and Nogueira was a good fight too. So um, that one with uh, the card which he fights um, Igor on is oh. good because it's the one where Fujita gets his ass whooped by Ken Shamrock oh, yeah. so badly. Ken Shamrock has a heart attack himself. From beating up Fujita. There's a bunch of great fights. That, yeah. that, that card ends with Sakuraba and Henzo Gracie. Fantastic fight. And what a finish to that fight. Those guys really just went at it and had a great finish. Uh, High and Gracie had his pride debut and he smoked this pro wrestler. There was a lot. Of, I mean, that, that, yeah, that card is Return of the Warriors. You know, as when I was coming up, you know, getting back into MMA, I was collecting all the DVDs. And that one was treasure. Yeah, shout out, uh, shout out, Fye man contributed greatly to your uh, collection. No, no, right? it was um, it wasn't Suncoast. Fye Suncoast. Suncoast. Did this Suncoast buy Fye though? Maybe or something. I don't know. But that was that the only been... fucking place that had them. And I was buying all that shit on VHS. And then I got a PlayStation Two, and I was like, I gotta buy all this shit on DVD yeah. now. But uh, yeah. yeah, they got Fight Pass, man. They got all that shit there. Just look up Ensign and Noah. They might even have that fight with him and Frank. I, li- I like how we're just convincing people to buy Fight Pass now with this segment. That's what we've done. If you're looking for they old... Do- hey, I'm, I can't tell you. Hey, why don't you go shell out seven bucks at like a Sam Goody for a used Return of the Warriors Bride DVD. Hey, money well spent, but you can get that just as easily on Fight Pass now. So um, Let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Sure. But... Um, Let's start off with yours because I figure we'll talk about the wrestling and then we'll talk some more. We'll talk about NXT at the end and you can pepper me with questions as somebody who's not that yeah, deep yeah, into I'm a it. Yeah, uh, out of the loop at this point. Yeah, so. exactly. Let's, um, but let's go first with what you got this week, man. Yeah, no, I mean, this week isn't isn't too, too crazy. Um, trying to think if I watched anything over the last week that I was real crazy about. Nothing's like springing to mind. I've still been watching comedians in cars getting coffee. I've been enjoying that a lot. Um, mostly right now. For me personally, 
the gaming season is in mid stride and we are fucking sprinting to the races. Um, last week I talked about Dead Cells that was released out of early access on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and you know officially released on PC. And that game always looked really cool to me. Um, it looked fun. Uh, the reviews were great. But it's definitely one of those games watching it and playing it are two totally different things. The game is just so pinpoint with um, how your uh, character controls and how you kind of move around this environment really well. So I, I love Dead Cell. So if you watch a video and you're like, oh, that looks all right. Like, really, it's one of those games that you have to get those controls in your hand and be controlling that character just to see how silky smooth the animations are, how quickly you're able to get around and attack people and implement these different strategies you have with the weapons you pick up. Really cool game. Uh, this week, another game coming out. This is a indie game called uh, Death's Gambit. And it's in the vein of Dead Cells and Chasm and Hollow Knight. There's a lot of these Castlevania-esque indie games coming out. Um, but this one skews a little bit more to the old school Castlevania games. This isn't a roguelike where the map is changing each time you play. Um, it's, it almost seems like a, a cross between Castlevania games and even some of the Souls games where you're picking different classes. You uh, level up and you contribute points in different stats like strength, dexterity, vitality, stuff like that. Um, looks really cool. Uh, but that's pretty much it for me, Bob. I didn't have a ton this week. I'm trying to think if I watched anything crazy and nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> uh, you're still muted, my, uh, Bob. Let's, let's start off. We'll talk about the uh, the G1. Um, just some backstory. We're going to talk about ra- – look, straight up, we're talking about wrestling for the next, like, 20 minutes. So yeah, Let's do it. Everybody, everybody, I'm just saying people who don't give a shit. We'll be I back next it. week. We're, we get it. We'll be, we get it. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk about Gaethje and um, – Oh, there's a fucking card next week. Gaethje, we're going to be breaking some shit it's, down. It's Gaethje and fucking help me out. Um, it's Gaethje and Vic. I just had that whole card up too. Yeah, me too. I, I fucking closed it now for something that was so awesome. I've already – Fucking forgot half the goddamn Itchy fights. Vic, on uh, Michael Johnson, and Andre Feely. You were hyped for. I'm really looking forward to Angela Hill and uh, Courtney Casey. Uh, uh, we got James Krause. I like Jake Ellenberger, Brian Barbarina. Brian Barbarina, someone to look at always. Um, Colorado Eric Junior. Anders. Eric Anders is still a young cat doing stuff. I like I like James Krause's fight a lot actually. That the uh, Worley Alves is good and uh, Mickey Gall. Yeah, and uh, JoJo. JoJo's getting a yeah, fight on Fight Pass. Uh, Drew Dober, John Tuck, Ronnie Yaya, Luke Sanders. There's some fights, man. We're going to talk about those next week. But let's get into the wrestling. So um, New Japan Pro Wrestling every year does something called uh, the G1 Climax. Climax, not Climax. Climax. It's a big round-robin tournament. Um, they run uh, in August every year. And uh, you know what I like about New Japan? They kind of treat this shit like it's a sport. Yeah. Almost like like we're gonna have a tournament, and at the end of it, the winner of this shit gets to fight the champion. And I'm like, okay. And um, they have two two groups, uh, two blocks, block A and block B. And Marcus and I, I watched it, then I sent it to Mark. We're watching the final of the uh, block B of the block B, which was Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is the best wrestler not in the, not in world wrestling uh, entertainment. Probably maybe the best wrestler anyway. Um, AJ Styles probably has something to say about that. He's got a gimmick with Kota Ibushi, who is his tag team partner, and they are the Golden Lovers, which lovers is not totally defined. Um, the assumption is these dudes are just gay, and everybody's just okay with it, man. Like, it's just, yeah. And um, they had to compete against each other. Um, cause, uh, and um, it was 23 minutes, and they beat the fuck out of each other. Japanese wrestling for people who don't like watch it, don't haven't really seen it. It's it's not 
good for the neck. They, I mean, a guy broke his neck like a month ago or so ago. So they, uh, yeah, it's not good on your neck, Japanese. It's called strong style. A lot of real looking strikes. A lot of dropping dudes on their fucking heads. I mean, what I would say to maybe some of the listeners that have, you know, maybe don't know about, you know, the Japanese style of pro wrestling, um, but that are interested in MMA. Why I really liked, always liked New Japan. And Bobby, you got to help me. What Besides strong call, they also call it. Parushi, Parushi, pu, 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 P-U-R-O-E-S-U, Puro-S-O, Puro-S-O, or something. And yeah. this style of pro wrestling, uh, why I always gravitated towards it, because it mimics real fighting more. These guys use, you know, tie kicks, they use high kicks, they use arm bars, heel hooks, kimuras. They Their wrestling matches mimic more of what you see in MMA than you see in pro wrestling. I mean, yeah. There's still big suplexes and moves that, you know, aren't realistic in real combat sports. But there's a lot. Of, I mean, literally one of the guys in New Japan that's still around and probably one of the biggest mainstays is um, Minora Suzuki. Right. Bob? Oh, he's so good. He's I mean, so good at this. And he's so old. That too. dude, that guy used to be part of Pancrase. I mean, I don't want to get too big into, you know, the, the history of Japanese pro wrestling. But at one point, all the biggest names in Japanese pro wrestling, they splintered into three different groups. And one of those groups was Pancrase. There was a a, a a contingent of pro wrestlers that kind of got tired of having the fights be fixed and they wanted a more realistic style of pro wrestling, which turned into Pancrase, which, I mean, in early days of Pancrase, I, you know, I always bring up the Ken Shamrock-Matt Hume fight. Some of these fights seem like they were worked. Because who the fuck pulls off a Northern Light suplex into a that was a, that was It's insane. You know what? I, I was trying to say, like, if there's like a spectrum... Of like real and fake, you put UFC on one end and like WWE on the total opposite yeah. end, right? And basically, Pride and like Japanese pro wrestling would just be a little closer. Yeah, not that it was fake at Pride, not that a Pride had a whole bunch of fake fights. I mean, they had a few. Yeah, but like, and it would be, and not, and it would be Bob like right, like Pride is right next to UFC, where there was definitely some fights in there. When you look at Mark <laughs> Coleman and Takata, like that looked like a worked fight. There's a couple of fights in there, like that was probably a work. And then Pancrase was a little bit more when they're like, yeah. there might have been more worked fights here, but there's definitely some guys that didn't work fights. I don't think Boss Rutten worked a fight because that dude was not a pro wrestler. That dude was a fucking MA fighter that went to fucking take scalps. So yeah, there was definitely a little bit more of that. But I mean, ultimately, you know, I go and watch the Ken Shamrock Matt Hume fight, and I know that it's probably a work, but when Ken Shamrock pulls off that northern cipher. Uh, Northern uh, Light Suplex into Kimura. I don't give a fuck. That shit just looks fucking cool. But anyways, um, um, this type of pro wrestling is more, a, you know, more in the style of a real fight, which I th I find it easier to kind of get into and play into the storylines and get more wrapped up in a fight. Yeah. So um, these guys went twenty three minutes. It was so good. It was fantastic. And uh, in addition to being a tag team, they are part of the. Uh, the Bullet Club, uh, the Golden Elite, if you will. So the Young Bucks were out there also. And the Young Bucks were uh, didn't take a side, which I really like too. I like that the Young Bucks were just in neutral corners, but just out there to support their teammates. Um, it was a really good match. Um, so, yeah, that's really like – that's what I got, Mark. Yeah, it was just I really mean, good. The, and, and like you mentioned before, the whole G1 thing, it's just a really cool idea. And WWE in, you know, the last couple years, they've done some of these tournaments like they did that lightweight tournament. And I really like that. It is I think pro wrestling tournaments is a really fun way 
for someone who might not be familiar with the wrestlers to be able to watch a couple events and get really invested in fighters because you see them advance through the tournament. You see them have this really fun match with this guy and you see his opponent have this other completely different type of match with this other guy. And you're like, oh, those two guys are going to fight in the next event. I want to see that. I'm invested in it. I think it's a really cool way to kind of get to know a lot of wrestlers and get you in kind of, you know, selling you on, on the product. So watching, I didn't watch... What I ended up doing is on YouTube, there's a lot of highlight videos of each of the days. And I'll just watch the highlight videos and just see, you know, how the matches end and just see like, oh, yeah, and the New Japan the started putting them. They started putting out themselves, though. They put yeah. like one day later, starting out the summaries, which was that was it wasn't just the ending. It had like the last like minute of the yeah, match. Yeah, you kind of get like the ending sequence and then it, it shows their record in the tournament. It shows the bracket on the tournament. And like you said, Bob, I think what i i don't watch a lot of new japan but what i kind of like about that style of wrestling is that the matches are really the story right like i think a lot in wwe there's a lot of guys getting on the mic and shit talking for a while there's a lot of drama that's outside of the ring and what i like about new japan is the drama is really inside the ring it's all told in the match and you'll get a little bit a little bit more flavor after the math, you know, after the match, guys will cut promos. What I like too about um, New Japan is they do the post-fight press conference. So after your fight, uh, yeah. they go in backstage and they have some reporters ask about the match and stuff. And and it makes it just seem more real and less kind of scripted. Because I think in WWE, there's all these buried alive matches and these weird gimmicks and stuff. I mean, look, there's, there's a time and a place for that too, of course, but it's just different. Yeah, it's it's just, just, it's, in New Japan, everything's just taken a little bit more kind of ground level serious I, I guess to a degree and it's something that i can just jive with a little bit more um but still really just a lot of fun and really it's a, it's those matches that that really make it worth your time so yeah i mean i i guess they have new japan world or something right Bob? yeah I, mean, I, I told you i was gonna get that so we could watch the g1 and then i didn't and then it doesn't uh, seem easy it's not it's not american friendly you know i can't just download this app on my ps4 or even on my phone. Yeah, apparently you need a... I need an Amazon Fire video, which I'm like, God, man, I have a fucking Roku. Like, come on, help me well, out. Well, that's the thing is, like, you think, you know, when it comes to these apps, it's just like, why can't you get this shit on everything, right? Yeah, you got to get to work on that New Japan. Come on now. Well, and um, the next day, uh, Kota Ibushi took on the winner of the Block A, um, the winner of Block A, which he had Kenny in his corner, though, Kota, which was nice, man. Next day... Had his partner in his corner. Um, took on uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I'm just gonna spoil this because yeah, I was I was I was gonna send you the link, but then the, they took it off YouTube. Um, Tanahashi and Kotobushi had a hell of a goddamn match. Really, really good match. And um, Tanahashi, who's kind of like, uh, kind of a god in Japan. Um, he's kind of like Hulk Hogan without the racism, really. But he's just he's a he's a big deal in Japan. He has long hair. Really gorgeous mane, quite frankly, mm -hmm. of hair. He does an air guitar when he comes out. It makes me really happy. Um, Tanahashi won. Um, but Kota Ibushi's awesome. Um, if you ever want to look up this guy's story, it's kind of interesting. He's just a rich kid and who now, doesn't sign, uh, con doesn't sign contracts. The guy who wins the G1 will fight Kenny for the belt, right? Well, he'll fight the, the champion yeah, in, uh, in January. But he also is going to – he also will fight other people along the way and defend his title shot, uh, okay. I guess. Is. Well, you see, that's what it sounds like. So, I mean, because not – I mean, it's not till January when he would face uh, Kenny at their um, – Sure, the WrestleFest, WrestleFest. Yeah, yeah, Wrestle – and there's a whole thing where Kenny's contract is up in January too. Yo, boy. So they, they need – I mean, he was up last January too. But Kenny – Kenny's a goddamn Japanese citizen. So at this point, they probably just pay the man. Oh, like, yeah. Probably the best move here. Um, but in case he doesn't resign, they have a guy, established star, to take the belt off of him. Sure. Um, 
Let's talk about NXT TakeOver, which is this weekend. Um, it's worth mentioning Brock is also fighting this weekend, or wrestling this weekend, and will probably, if they're playing their shit right, it'll be his last wrestling match um, because he's clean. And so it's, it's going to be a bad match, too. Not I mean, la- look, last last time Brock was getting clean, he wrestled Dean. A- or, I mean, not even getting clean. Last time he was going to face uh, what he was going to do MMA, he has his last match before it. He didn't want to do a lot. It was terrible. I mean, so. I mean it kind of makes sense, though, because, like, he's not only just yeah. getting clean, but obviously doesn't want to get injured, right? So can't expect him to take a lot of big bumps. And it, the, the Brock fights really are only fun to me. Like, and he's just destroying some guy. He's just throwing yeah. him around anyway, so... That's all he does anyway at this point. He just picks dudes up, and it's him and Roman Reigns. But anyway, if you're interested in that, you can watch that too. If you, But I, what you guys should all do, and I say this every time they're going to do it, and we'll have the post – we'll talk about the results next week, is um, NXT TakeOver and um, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. They've done it every year, and the Brooklyn show has really been their biggest show every year. Um, we got – there's only five matches um i'm just gonna i'm gonna go through them and marcus is gonna watch it with me so he's gonna ask me the questions that are necessary so tomaso champa and johnny gargano i've talked about these guys a lot because this is their third straight time main eventing a takeover show three straight takeovers was supposed to be a triple threat but um alistar black um tore his groin or got testicular torsion or he's got a whole groin nut situation he can't wrestle yeah, so instead, Gargano and Champa are going to do last man standing. And these two have put on two all-time classics the last two times. Former tag team partners where one of them turned on the other. The easiest story to tell in wrestling. And it keeps going. Um, Tommaso Champa is the best bad guy in wrestling. Hands down. He has he has his own shirt, but he won't sell it. Like, he has no merch. <laughs> I do like he, that. I, I, it's just, he like, he, when he wants to like talk about somebody on Twitter, he doesn't put the at symbol. So they actually get tagged. He writes the word at, and then he just, he's just, he's so good at this. All right. Tommaso Ciampa is such a good heel. And NXT simple, man. It's not like, it's not, they're not trying to appeal to any fucking kids, man. It's like, this person's the champion. I want the belt. Or this person, I hate him. I want to face him. It's not that complicated. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Bob. Um, I know, I, I'm familiar with these two wrestlers because when I was still watching NXT, they were still a tag team. Um, and I know they're really good. I'm the least excited for this fight. I haven't seen those single matches. Yeah, they see, had this that is the one really good, which makes me excited for it because it's like when I go into like a Marvel movie, my expectations are really low and I know it's going to be good. I'm just like not excited for it. So I have a, you know, when this, when this match is fantastic, it's just going to blow me away. Well, see, like I, I was going in, I was really excited for the triple threat because Alistair Black is so good. And I was not that I'm sick of watching these two beat the fuck out of each other, but it's two straight, and this is the third one in a row. Right. I would like, I, so I, I too would like another person in there just to mix it up with the move sets that are going to be used, and having a fresh guy to kind of you know when some guys you know needs to take a break, he rolls out of the ring. And exactly, two guys wrestle for a little bit. So last time they wrestled, um, <clears throat> they tore apart the ring, and Johnny Gargano got DDT'd onto the plywood. And that was awesome. That was so awesome. Um, another matchup um, it should be familiar to MMA fans. It's Shayna Baszler taking on the Pirate Princess, Kyrie Sane. Shayna Baszler's kind of awesome at this, guys. Um, especially for someone who's still as green as she is. Her punches still kind of suck. But she plays a really good bad guy. Which is always funny because Ronda's always there. So, like, Ronda's a good guy. But anytime Shayna wins, she goes and hugs Ronda. Which confuses the crowd. They don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I haven't really seen Shayna wrestler wrestle all that much, but I saw a little bit of her in NXT, and yeah, she has a really 
kind of cool persona that is that is kind of her right she is this kind of punk rock chick who doesn't yeah. really give a fuck so she's not really playing this outrageous character that's extremely different from her but it just fits her personality and she kind of has that bravado to herself and i think you know i think a lot of it comes from not just being in mma but being one of those pioneer women where it's like there's no fucking women fighting like who what woman is going to get in a cage and fight another woman is just seems like outrageous at the time when she was doing it so i think she's just naturally always had this charisma about her that you know she's kind of a fucking badass and she knows it and i think that plays really well into her wrestling persona yeah um she's using a rear naked choke more or less as a finish i believe with, with like hooks in though right yeah i think she, it's kind of like that like <clears throat> the one arm is hooked and one is like a choke type thing but she does she's got a whole mma thing mma thing going sure. on sure which makes sense. to your strengths you know and Kyrie sane is uh i'm not familiar with awesome. her she's like a pirate she's a she's a pirate princess she comes out to p weird like pirates of the caribbean music okay. and she has like a big fucking what's the name of a goddamn steering wheel of a pirate ship oh She's got one of those okay. with her. All right, All right. yeah. And uh, she, uh, she won a tournament, the May Young Classic. Okay. Beating, beating Shayna Baszler in the finals. Oh, okay. And she has the best elbow drop since Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, okay I'm still And there's been some good ones since. Shawn Michaels had a good one. CM Punk had a good one. Hers is fucking incredible. Okay. And she's really good. So her and Shayna have really good chemistry anyway. So sweet. That'll be a good match. Um, the North American title, um, which is kind of like their Leicester Championship. Sure. Adam Cole, who's kind of running NXT's version of the NWO right now in the Undisputed Era. Um, he's the leader of it. Uh, he's he's not really a bad guy. He's a bad guy, but people love Adam Cole. He's taking on the man known as Ricochet. And Ricochet can fly. Um, I've said it before. Ricochet is the most talented aerial um, wrestler I th think I might have ever seen. Okay, since Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is his own level, though. Rey Mysterio is a freak of nature. Um, this dude hits uh, 630s. Right. Like, he does a 630, which is two and th one and three quarters rotations, which is fucking nuts. Um, he does springboard shooting star presses. He's incredible. Um, this is going to be awesome. Um, I really just don't know what else to say. At one point, I guarantee you, he's going to go for a springboard something, and he's going to catch a fucking super kick to the face. Oh, sure. People yeah. are going to lose their mind. It's going to be fucking incredible. I can't wait for this one. Um, hey, I mentioned the Undisputed Era. Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, the tag team champions, taking on the former champions, Mustache Mountain, um, made up of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. Um, two gentlemen with like really good mustaches. Okay, and that's kind of the, that's kind of their shtick. <laughs> I can do um, that. That's not bad. They're they're part of the British uh, stable, British strong style. Okay. Um, they're uh, just two very talented young men. Tyler Bate, especially Tyler Bate, is only uh, twenty one years old. Um, his finishing move. Um, he uses the Tiger Driver. He okay. uses the Tiger Driver ninety seven, and it's called the ninety seven because this fucker was born in nineteen ninety seven. Oh, that's why? Because there's, yeah. I know there's there's a, there's, there's a Tiger Driver. At the end of yeah, he he calls it ninety seven because he's born in okay, 97. fair enough. Makes Make your own rules. Um, that's gonna be just you know, Mark's no Mark. You know this enough that like tag team wrestling in NXT has always been yeah is just well and done. Is strong is was he the guy that that does all the different backbreakers? Oh yeah, okay, I love that yeah. guy. <laughs> he is he is so much better as a bad guy too. Because it's kind of tough when you come into NXT as, like, an indie wrestling darling where you're going to get cheered. Yeah. And you have to just, like, immediately do some fucked up shit to even try to get any booze. And now that he's turned heel, Roddy Strong is so much more in his element. Um, I mean, I like his wrestling and, style. 
Yeah, that's going to be. And then the man I look forward to watching the most these days, the Velveteen Dream, um, is taking on EC3. Uh, EC3 is just your – EC3, you're going to look at him, Mark, and wonder why he isn't already in the main roster. He's just fucking jacked to the gills. Right, has no looks, charisma or – No, no, he's he's, charis- he's awesome. Okay, but, like, okay. he looks like somebody – he basically will go look at him and say, Vince McMahon loves this guy probably. Okay, like, okay. he's going to be on the show any minute. Um, but uh, Velveteen Dream is – I've talked about him a million times probably. Dude is 22 years old, going to turn 23 in a, on the 19th. Which is that the day of this thing? Or that might be Sunday. The yeah, 19th. it's the next day. But um, he's basically playing Prince. Um, he is so good for how young he is. He is so good. He doesn't win any of these fucking feuds because he doesn't need to. He is just so incredibly talented. He's a he's a WWE guy. Um, pretty much, almost like he had some. He had a little bit of work early on training, but he's twenty two years old. He they built him. He is going to be the goddamn pride and joy of Triple H and this developmental system when it's all said and done. And I don't know how much longer they can keep him in this uh, promotion. He doesn't get he doesn't sniff titles because I just think they're waiting for the day. And it's always after SummerSlam that they call up a lot of people. And I'd be shocked if I'd be shocked if EC3 isn't up there. Um, Velveteen Dream is another one. I'm, it's only some only a matter of time. He's. I think we saw him one time, you and me. Yeah. We saw him live. Right? Don't mean to toot my own horn, but right before I stopped watching NXT, I there was he, he was in a match where he didn't have a character. He wasn't Velveteen yeah. Dream. He was just black guy in spandex pants that had an American Eagle on it, and he didn't even offensively do a lot in that match. But I liked him instantly. He has a charisma and a way of selling hits and stuff that just makes you like him. And yeah, then when we we went to the NXT show at uh, San Jose. He had this whole Prince character, which was, he, I mean, when I first saw him, he was a jobber, right? He, he didn't come out oh, to yeah. your name. He came out to get beaten. And now he had a gimmick and he's like, oh, this gimmick's really fun. And when we watched him in San Jose, he was fighting a very generic looking kind of like white dude who's kind of more of like a, t- a ground technician type guy. So we're like, oh, Velveteen Dream, he has charisma. He has talent. Of course, he's going to beat this guy. And they had him lose to this guy too. Was it the bald guy? It was the bald guy. Yeah. Is he oh, yeah. That now? guy. That guy finally is. That guy's finally something at okay. least. But that was like two years ago. It was a long time like, ago. He didn't have yeah. a gimmick, and he didn't have a gimmick at the time. And it just seemed weird. Like, man, you can tell like the talent and the organization put a lot of thought and effort into this prince like character, and then you just have him lose to this generic guy. It's like, why did you do that? And Bobby, I think it's because you're right. Like, this guy doesn't need to win. For you to like him, for him to be like to resonate with you, and for you to kind of like root for him. So you know, it's it's, it's kind of like the Diaz brothers in some level, where like it's not like not he's not like a Diaz brother in attitude, but like you know, how like people wonder why people love the Diaz brothers, even though both of them have like between the two of them, they got like twenty losses. It's because fucking man, people connect to somebody. It's all it takes. Yeah, and people connected with this dude. He's um, I love Velveteen Dream. He is refers to himself in third person as the Dream. Just makes me happy. Um. I, I'm fucking hyped, man. This is going to be great. And uh, they've managed to never have an NXT TakeOver let me down. Um, don't know if that means one day Triple H is going to run a really fun wrestling organization. Or maybe he just recognizes this is for all the internet marks anyway. He might as well uh, he might as well make them happy. Yeah, I know. But it's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you, I mean, shit, man, it's free. Sign up for the WDW Network. And let me tell you, it's really easy to cancel that thing. <laughs> right really easy they don't yeah i mean we both, we both got out of it at one point yeah i got out of i got out of it and came back with the same email address i got another free month 
Yeah. They don't care even at all. It's just it's, um, it's it's kind of like Fight Pass, although better because it has all the live events. But it's like if you ever have an itching to just be nostalgic about old things you liked in wrestling, like WCW or old WWF stuff, it's like it's all there. Like literally, all that shit is there. So it's it's fun for like a ten dollar pickup for a month just to fuck around and see what old stuff you can like rewatch and that you saw as a kid, and then you know see a live event and see what the. And, and you know what. I didn't mention it, but if you guys want to see Ronda Rousey compete, that's Saturday, that's Sunday. Okay. Ronda Rousey she's is going sure. to. Oh, she's going to bliss, right? Yeah, in what should be a squash, um, Ronda should run through her like a bulldozer. Um, I think it's very much been set up for Ronda to become their champion. So uh, we'll see if they actually do that or not. But yeah, God, rest, fucking SummerSlam is eleven matches. That is. Yeah. And I'm gonna watch a good amount of this, but that is so. I can't, so many I can't do it. It's too long. That's why I like NXT. Like you mentioned, Bob, it's like five matches. Maybe at the most, it's two hours. Every every match is going to get a good amount of time in the spotlight to have you know an interesting match and tell a little bit of a story. And then they're fucking out of there. Whereas like WWE is like, not only you, you have you all the matches, you got the promos. They got to catch me up on all the bullshit they've been doing for and the look, last I love the promos. That's how you convinced me to watch these things. But you know what the problem is? And there's a difference because you know we used to watch... 10 MMA fights, no problem. And I still will do that if there's 10 fights I want to watch. But I know how to manage expectations with MMA almost. Like their placement, I know how much energy to have on the first fight of the night versus, you know, the fifth fight of the night. Mm. With pro wrestling, every one of them is their own individual story of a match. And while they do try to build to a crescendo, I feel like each match has such highs and lows. And like, like, I like, it's like, I'm sure Finn Balor and Baron Corbin want me to be fucking hyped for their match. If they're going to go on an hour one, and then an hour four, Brock's going to bring his ass out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's hard to maintain that level of excitement the whole time. With MMA, it's almost an expectation, like we're building to something. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that was... We did some pro wrestling preview for you guys there, right there. Um, We're, uh, we're going to be back next week. Um, I mentioned we're going to talk about that sweet Gaethje card. Um... We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens um, with Kevin Lee. If he can actually get a he can actually get a fight, and uh, we'll see if we're actually going to Bellator, which we're, I'm still working on. We're still talking about that Bellator card, Marcus. Our buddy Max has not responded to the text message. We'll figure it out in the next couple of days. Exactly. Um, go to a Bellator show too, man. You know. Oh, did you see fucking Sean? Remember we uh, the football player that sometimes is at Bellator events, Sean Merriman. Mm, no, I might have pointed him out to you before. Okay. He's gonna fight, and like he's gonna fight that bare knuckle promotion. Oh. We gotta watch that. that. Is, that's the, that's we the gotta, watch. How do we watch? How do you watch the bare knuckle promotion? I don't know. What is that on? Like I am a hundred percent into. You watch. have like, to go to a dive bar. You can't get. Let me look this. Up. You have to. Go you know what? Like I know I'm. Cl I'm closing up this show. Just everybody hold on for one second. I want to see this bare knuckle promotion. Bare knuckle FC. I like the FC. How do I watch this thing? Like what is the next one? What is the method of? Here I'm we sure go. that August live on pay per view. Bare is Beck Rawlings. Yeah, she she was in the first event. She won. Uh, Tony Lopez, Chris Lytle is going to be on this card. Crazy Horse is on this card. Do they even have fights set up, or everybody's going to just come out and beat the fuck out of each other? Man, Crazy Horse sounds like fun. <laughs> Crazy Horse, uh, carry, Crazy Horse is. Let me. And I think they're getting. Yeah. Uh, it might not be that card, but Phil and Lytle, or Lieben. Lytle Lytle is on the card. No, uh, yeah, but I mean uh, Chris Lieben and oh, Phil Baroni. Baroni. Yeah. Andrew Yates versus Charles Felony Charles Bennett. Maurice Jackson. Didn't Maurice Jackson fight in the UFC? I think so. Kind of sounds familiar. Uh, Maurice Jackson. That's I don't know. okay, it's man. Cool. It's interesting. 
And uh, how much does this thing cost? I'm not sure I want to. 30 bucks. I mean, that's, I, I can't pay that much for this, like in good conscience. Like, you, I got, they got, I got 15 bucks maybe for them. And that's like, I better be splitting half of that with you. Let's put <laughs> it that yeah. way. We'll break down that card too. Yeah, I just want to know how much it is. Oh, it's on Fight TV. Okay. All right. Fight TV, man. That's the, that's where you go to watch like. People stream their own MMA events now, and it's a way to go. Anyway, let's uh, let's call this everybody go. Let's call We're it. Wrapping a day. it. Um, thank you all for listening to this show. We all really appreciate it. Um, didn't get to we didn't weren't expecting to do one. I hope you guys enjoyed what was essentially half a wrestling podcast mm-hmm. bonus episode. And then kind of. yeah, me struggling to come up with Ensign anyway. Man, I wrote read his fucking book. Still disappointing. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, and uh, peace out. See you.